Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and the Reverend Marguerite Judson was preaching from the lectionary, which was Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 55. As always, you can find more sermons or more information about All Souls on our website, which is allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. Congratulations. By hearing or saying the Magnificat, you have just broken either church or military law. That is, if you attended an Anglican church in India in 1805, you were not allowed to say the Magnificat as part of evening prayer. It was too revolutionary. It was too clearly on the side of the poor being crushed by the East India Trading Company which ruled the subcontinent on behalf of the British Empire. Or if you joined the Mothers of the Disappeared in Buenos Aires, Argentina, between 1977 and 1983, silently holding a picture of your child, who was one of the up to 30,000 people who disappeared after being detained by the military junta, you were forbidden from reciting or holding signs with the words of Mary's song. Because nothing is more dangerous to those abusing power than facing the people who proclaim that the poor, the oppressed, and the marginalized are God's favorites. I did not realize what a revolutionary Mary was. I grew up with images of Mary meek and mild, demure, eyes downcast, dressed in sweet, clean brown robes, saying yes, sir, to God by way of the angelic messenger, which somehow morphed into saying yes to passivity for all women. Although I had said the words of the Magnificat for years in the Episcopal Church, I didn't really hear it until the Reverend Charles Taylor preached about it one day. He pointed out all the ways the Magnificat flips the power structure. We read, he has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. There's nothing, nothing meek and mild about God's mercy being demonstrated by scattering the proud after knocking the stuffing out of them, by heaving the mighty off their seats of power while lifting the powerless, by filling hungry people with good things and driving away those who are rich and secure in their affluence. And when we look at the political landscape when Mary sang her song evoking freedom as as promised by the Holy One, It's easy to see why her prophetic call expressed the whole community's longing for justice. As Pastor Naveen Saras points out, according to our best knowledge, Jesus Christ was born around 4 BCE. This year was an unforgettable and challenging year for the Jews. When Herod the Great died that year, Jews rebelled all over the land. The Syrian legions under the direction of Rome crushed the Jewish rebellion and burned the 
city of Seraphos in Galilee and reduced its inhabitants to slavery. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, about four miles from Seraphos. Those who could not hide from the Syrian legions were killed, raped, and enslaved. Those who survived had lost everything. Mary and Joseph, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were witnesses to these horrible acts. Like Micah in the days of the Northern Kingdom when Israel was, in the days after the Northern Kingdom of Israel was devastated by the Assyrians, I imagine Mary was looking for a political leader to restore independence to God's people and to bring healing to the land. She knew that the Holy One was fulfilling divine promises to the children of Abraham as she affirms in the last lines of the Magnificat. But what might that look like? How should she raise the holy child that she was carrying to fulfill the promise? Perhaps the way we envision Mary is too small. We don't often use it in the Western Church, but one of Mary's most important titles in the Eastern Orthodox traditions is Theotokos, God-bearer, and it's more than having a baby. I wonder, how much of Jesus' commitment to social to justice was learned at his mother's knee? I imagine years of Mary teaching Jesus so well that before the age of 13, likely the age of adulthood marked by bar mitzvah, Jesus was discussing and debating the scriptures with the temple leaders in Jerusalem when he was only 12. Or decades later, when he spoke scriptural truth to the tempter in the wilderness. Or how much Jesus' commitment to community well-being was shaped by Mary as the Theotokos. Like that first miracle in the Gospel of John, when it is Mary who tells Jesus to get with it and solve the potential horrendous breach of hospitality if the wine ran out at a wedding festival. I think it's very easy to read about people in the scriptures and say, that was then. They had it all together. It's different for me. I can't be like them. But I would be astonished if it was clear to Mary at that point. What seems clear is that she trusted the Holy One to keep the divine promise of justice for the downtrodden. She took huge risks trusting that promise, agreeing to bear the Christ child, living in hope and teaching Jesus to follow what would turn out to be an anguished path of faith. And as we hear, and later this morning we'll sing, as we sing Mary's song today, I, am, I invite you to listen deeply. How are you being called to bear Christ into the world? How can you live into the call for justice on behalf of the poor, the hungry, and those who are sidelined by our present culture? How can you bear Christ into communities, our families of origin, our families of choice, or a faith family, or of circumstance? As we pivot from the waiting time of Advent to rejoice in the gift of the Holy Child this week, let us labor together with Mary, the Theotokos, to bring Christ's love into this world. Amen.